Hello and welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. What's up? How we doing? Ooh, coming back at you with another freebie. Hope y'all are ready yeah, for this one. A uh, case suggestion from a listener, which I'm going to look up. Lauren, if you want to talk about it and I can uh, find who that I was is hoping you had that because I didn't. I do. I do have it. Very good case suggestion. Whoever it is, we're going to find out soon. But uh, this case, we got an NBA player murdered. Uh, greed is involved, of course. This this case, yes. it, it uh, a lot of things reminded me of our lottery winner series. You know, mo' money, mo' problems type of thing where this dude made, uh, I want to say it was $54 million or something along those lines yes. over the course okay. of his long career in the NBA. Um, ran through a lot of that money with his wife and then went missing and was found murdered. And it's Which a you good see this often, case for you. You see this often in young athletes too, man, that come from lower income areas and then they get all this money and they're not guided. They have no guidance. No one's helping mm -hmm. them. They're just like, hey, good luck now that you're a millionaire. Hope you invest it well. Good luck. It's gotten better over time because a lot of um, a lot of former athletes, a lot of retired athletes that were very successful in pro sports have, have come out and they're yeah they're doing conferences and stuff for rookies that go into either the NFL or the NBA and stuff. They you know they do these these big conferences with them and, and basically warn them about yeah. what's coming. You know you're about to become an instant millionaire. Exactly. Um, and you need to manage it and make it last because the average career, let's say in the NFL, is only like three years, and in the NBA maybe a little longer, but if you're not at the top, you know, it could be a few years and you're done. You could just be a role player and you could be out. And you better make that few years of money last for the rest of your life. That's right. That's right. And it, sh and it can, but it's very difficult. I mean, especially when everyone around you is living luxurious. You know, they're living these, these lavish lifestyles and you want to keep up. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, uh, well, even more than that, too. if everyone else is living lavish, but then all the people you grew up with, aren't and they want some of yours they want to be around you they want to spend mm. your money with you that's also another part of it right so, right a lot right. of pressure yeah. lot and of he pressure. was very he was very generous with his money as well um yeah but i want to then when you have a wife when you hold on then when you have okay. a wife who loves to spend money you can see how that could be a problem too in this case is is uh, an example of that oh really yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah i want to give a huge uh thank you and a shout out to no suck a shit on Instagram. What? Um, no suck a shit? No suck a shit. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, man. He, he is giving me some good case suggestions, and this one just hit just right. Uh, this Lorenzen case, Lorenzen Wright, great case for us, fit all the criteria. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate you, man, on, on Instagram. This case no is, not, is not no, no, no suck a shit. Let's just say no, that. No, 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 no. This is no suck a shit. This is a good one. This is I sounded so white saying that. And it's so current, too. You know, like up, up oh, now, definitely, definitely. like with the new information that come out, because if you watch old documentaries on this, there was a documentary made in like 2015 by Sports Illustrated, and it's it's so far behind. There's so mm -hmm. much more that has come out um, in the last five years. A lot so, happened in 2017. Yes. And then, and then there's been some, um, There there's a special, 2020 special we'll talk about, which we used as a study source, which I think... yes. Just came out this year, right? Just recently, yeah, like yes, in it September. did. Yes, it did. I mean, it's it's all the way up until uh, like COVID hit in the fall. So that's how yeah. current. That's how current this is. I know COVID hit in the spring. I'm just saying, um, it was all the way up to the fall of 2020. Is how current this yeah. last documentary is. So all this right. case is still ongoing as well. So. All right, let's get into it. Georgetown 911, where is your emergency? 
So our case this week is the case of murdered NBA basketball player Lorenzen Wright. Um, and he wasn't currently in the NBA. He had retired. Right. Uh, but had an illustrious career, 13 seasons. We'll get into all his stats in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, he went missing and was, was found murdered, and it was a, a mystery for a long time who had killed him. A long time, unfortunately. And there was some stuff that could have been – There, it definitely could have been handled quicker had the 911 call audio – been given to the police right um however it was just kind of passed over on and and we'll get into all that details let's go into our sources so we got the sports illustrated uh article done on him but Mm -hmm. the main study source we used was an abc news 2020 special called mystery in memphis it's six parts you can find the first five parts on youtube and then the sixth part you have to go to abc's website and then deal with like 900 commercials and if you watch the whole thing on uh abc's website which you can uh be prepared for the documentary to be like three times as long like every commercial break is like five ads no joke Uh, yeah and you can't skip them you can't skip them it's insane it takes forever to watch this hour and 20 minutes you're better off watching the five parts on youtube even though it's only half of it (laughs) you might be able to you might be able to find it on on cable and and record it on dvr and skip all the commercials Ah, i know they aired it on on tv so yeah there you go maybe you already caught it i don't know yeah, that would be ideal. But yeah, we suffered through all the commercials. It took us probably three hours to watch an hour and 20-minute documentary. At least. Or six-part series. But it was very well done. Very good. Absolutely. A lot of the interviews with people involved in the case, Lorenzen's friends, lawyers, um, journalists, uh, everybody surrounding this case. Even the uh, for, uh, the detective, the homicide detective that worked the case, who actually, if you watch a lot of First 48, you recognize his face. He's a uh, homicide detective down in West in uh, Memphis. I keep saying West Memphis, damn fucking case. Yeah, <laughs> uh, down in Memphis. <laughs> right. <clears throat> um, 
Yeah, I recognized him. I'm like, where do I know him from? And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's the detective on the first 48. Yeah. He worked to this case as well. I didn't realize that um, I didn't realize that Memphis had such a high crime rate. You know, I didn't realize like in uh what 2017 I think was one of the stats on the thing they were the third highest crime rate in the uh, US. The state oh, wow. or the city with the third highest crime rate in the US. Um I don't know who they're behind. I'm guessing they're behind what Chicago and probably like Chicago, New yeah. York or LA or something. Um but that's crazy for us for a, a I know it's a, I know it's Memphis is a big city, but it's still a, it's still a smaller southern city compared to you know more bigger metropolises like la and Mm -hmm. you know so it kind of surprised me that crime was that ridden but that would explain why you see that uh detective's face so much (laughs) you know there's oh yeah there's a there's a lot of shit he's working on but uh the 2020 Mm -hmm. special i think was the was the best overall encapsulation of information of this case i like how i didn't feel I watched it and I was using it for the crime line and then I would go look at other articles and I'm like, yeah, I already heard this on the documentary and I heard it for the, or the 2020 special and I heard it through the mouth of the people involved too. So I can really, you know, put cloud on it. Exactly. So yeah, I felt like that's all I needed for this case for sure. It was very well done. Right. Because this case has been out so long and it is a mystery. Like we don't know the specifics, but we do have a lot of clues. So there is a lot to, mm-hmm. there is a lot to go through. And I think, you know, with this long time period, what this happened in what, 2012? 10. 2010. Okay. So yep. over the last 10 years, you can imagine um, pretty much everything that's come out on this case that we're going to find out has pretty much come out, in my opinion. I, I don't think anything else yep. is going to happen unless somebody rolls. And I don't think anybody has a reason to. But we'll get into that. Right. Well, I could see the person that we believe to be the killer writing another book, maybe. <laughs> I was getting some more information from that. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's all it's all alleged. It's a it's like the OJ book, you know. It's it's, it's a the, fiction if I book, did it, man. It's, the, it's a fiction, right. but it's like so close to home. It's crazy. Yeah, I always get real suspicious when someone who's not an author never wrote anything ever and then writes fiction and then it's also closely based to their life. I'm like, uh, yeah. how great is your imagination? Um, right. I don't know. I just feel like you're... you're it sounds like uh, you wanted to write a nonfiction, but you didn't want people to know the truth about you, so ah, you just called it fiction. That's what it go. sounds like. There you go. It sounds a lot like that. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into it. Lorenzen Vern Gagne Wright. I don't know. Is that how you would say his middle name? Say, it doesn't really matter. I would say Vern Gagne. Every time I've seen... Uh, Gagne? Yeah, Gagne is that... I think it's the correct pronunciation of that. I've always seen it as okay. a last name, though, so maybe that is a, a last name. Maybe that's a hyphenated last name. Um, from oh, okay. his parents or grandparents, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, because his his parents weren't to, uh, they weren't together anymore. Right. When from a young age, uh, so Lorenz and Wright was born on November fourth, nineteen seventy five. He shares a birthday with Jeff Probst from Survivor and Matthew McConaughey. Oh, okay. Jeff Probst. Right, I know. Right. Recognize that name. So he's the host of Survivor. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. But I mean, he's eclipsed he's by slimy. Matthew McConaughey, who's next, because literally oh, I have course. the two names next to each other, and I put McConaughey in bold. Of course, it has. I to see be. that. I see that. That was that was a good move. <laughs> you know what drives me nuts is I'm pretty sure that the line from the movie is "All right, all right," not "All right, all right, all right." Everyone adds an extra "all right," and it drives me nuts. Huh. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's "All right, all right." Oh man, but it's one of them. Everybody adds an extra one. It's one of them Mandela effect things. Yeah, yeah. People made it yeah. to be truth. Yeah, so people have said it enough. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, 
You know, I love about those high school girls. Yeah, I know. I know. I get older, they stay the same age. I, that's. <laughs> you know, I actually, every time I hear that line, I actually think of Brian from Family Guy. Remember that he was doing like that cameo as Matthew McConaughey? You ever seen that episode? No, I never watched With that show. Brian and Stewie? Oh my God. Every time I every time I see that, I think of Brian standing up against a wall with a Matthew McConaughey wig on. You know, Brian's the dog, if you don't know. Uh, oh, okay. And he's standing up against the wall with a McConaughey <laughs> wig on. And, like, Stewie's standing there, too. And, like, these girls walk by and he's like, you know what I like about high school girl? And it's like, for some reason, it's not creepy because he's a dog and a baby. Right. Um, but but still, Stewie's, like, all creeped out by him. It's It's pretty funny. But I, I think of that, it's like almost eclipsed the actual movie for me now. Right. I can see why a dog saying it makes it way better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. So um, Lorenzen was raised in Oxford, Mississippi. His mother's name was Deborah. She plays a big role in his investigation. And she's just one of those mothers like we've seen of course, in this, man. That in this podcast love. over and over again. A mother scorned, man, you don't want to mess with them. Nope. She was up the police's ass yeah. every day. And we'll talk a lot more about Deborah. No quit. I loved her. No quit in her. <clears throat> no. And his father was named Herb. His father, Herb, was a professional basketball player who competed in Finland and once had a tryout with the Utah Jazz. So didn't quite make it in the NBA, but was a, a top-level basketball player nonetheless. Right. Um, when Lorenzen was seven years old, his father, Herb, was working for the Memphis Police Department when he was paralyzed by a gunshot to the back. Oof. Yeah. That's a rough. That's rough. A and his parents, I, I believe, at this time had split up. They hadn't been together for a while. You know, I didn't know that about. But his they both father, still Lord. played roles in their lives. So his father lived in a different city, I believe. Right. So that's why his father was was seated in almost every interview and every shot. That's why. Correct. Yeah. You know what? I didn't I, think about that I, either. But he was, huh? Yeah. I just now realized that. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder why he never stood up in court or anything. But I, I, I didn't know that he was paralyzed. I just thought maybe yeah. he was just over it, and that was just his way of grieving. You know, people grieve, grieve in different ways. But. Yeah. Okay. So in seventh and eighth grade, Lorenzen was already playing with high school kids in basketball. He played for Lafayette High School in Mississippi before moving to Memphis, where he spent his senior year playing for Booker T. Washington High School. And they made this move because they they wanted more competition for Lorenzen. They could see that he had the potential to make it to the pros, and they, they needed to get him to a, a more competitive school. That's wise. And that's when they moved to Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a big difference, man, getting that exposure. I mean, especially mm-hmm. especially if you're eighth graders, like 6'10", yeah, you might want to might want to make a move. He might have a future. Yeah, because scouts <laughs> scouts and stuff, they can if you're only playing with like at a normal high school with yeah. normal kids, they they can always speculate like, well, he's not playing any competition. How would he do against you that's know right. better, better players and whatnot? That's right. And that's 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 the mentality to bring. Well, let's go show him he can compete against better players. Yeah, I have a great example. I, there was a kid that I grew up with playing like uh, recreation ball, and then later we end up playing like travel baseball together and stuff. And he was very good. Like he could he could stay with any team he played on. But when he went to high school, his parents he was raised by his grandparents who were somewhat wealthy, and they just could not fathom the idea of him going to public school. And he went to private school and played in this little league. And I remember reading about him in the paper, just like every game, he would go like four for four with three stolen bases, you know, two home runs. Yeah. And he's just dominating, right? And he pitches, like he pitched a shutout. And I'm like, it's just not fair. Like he doesn't belong there. And, but because he was there, even though he was putting up these crazy stats, nobody looked at him. No college gave a shit. And I was like, man, if you would have just came to a public school, even a 2A, 3A school, you would have got noticed. But yep. 
you know, but that just goes to show you where you play matters. It doesn't matter how good you are. It matters where you play. And if you don't get that exposure, then nobody finds you. That's right. There's been a lot of talented people who never got discovered. Probably just they didn't, you know, the parents didn't take them down the right path or for whatever reason. Oh, absolutely. They didn't get enough eyes on them. Absolutely. Um, it's hard to miss the, it's, it, you know, the eyes are uh, easy to find Lorenzen though, because as he matured, he eventually settled in at six foot nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Kind of hard no to miss him. No matter what school he was playing for, it's kind of hard to miss him. Um, and it's hard for him to miss the net of the basket when you're six foot nine. You could pretty much just reach up and uh, put the ball right in. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Imagine, like, I, I don't know. I, I could grab rim and stuff. I could never quite dunk. I'm six one. Right. Imagine adding another eight inches. It'd be, oh, uh, yeah. Different story, dude. I think if story. I was, I think if I was six four, I could dunk. I think. Oh I, yeah, for yeah. sure. Because it was just a matter of getting the ball over mm-hmm. the, the rim. I just did. I could. I could get it to where it would. Just, the ball would kind of go over the, the thing. I yeah. Could get it up there. I just couldn't get the damn thing down and in. <laughs> right. A couple it's, more inches, man. Hey, it's I didn't harder. need to be six nine. I could be like. Yeah, I think you're right. If I was six three, six four, I could get it. In yeah. There. Exactly. Exactly. It's harder than it looks, man. Especially on a ten foot goal. It's it's harder than it looks. The NBA What's players make dunking look so have, easy. The people that can really jump, though, like regardless of your height, like those, yep. people, they make it look so effortless. It's so odd because like people that can't jump make it look so hard, and they go like a couple inches off the ground. Yeah, you know. But then the people that can really jump, they just they're just like you're watching, like how the hell did you just smoothly just think you're soaring through the air? I don't understand what's going on here. Hell yeah, man! It's all about mechanics. I don't know. It's a skill. It, it, it is a mechanical thing, and also like a calf strength and explosiveness and. Yep. You know, there's some short guys that can dunk, no problem. Oh, no doubt, it's, no it's doubt. Definitely, I think also, it's definitely also uh, a lot of practice too, for sure. Oh, it is, it is. It's a lot of practice doing things right, and then also you have the adrenaline when you're playing in games and against people. You know what I mean? It's a lot harder. Oh yeah. I feel like it's a lot harder to do something amazing just in practice. Like if somebody just hands you a ball in an open gym and it's like dunk, it's like oh well, shit. Right. You know, this is this is a little more difficult. You have no adrenaline. You have nothing pushing you to to mm-hmm. excel. You know. You're just like, oh man, I hope I don't like break an ankle or get. It depends by on the your rim. character, though, too, because some people, the nerves, if it's in a big game, they can't do it. Whereas on, in practice, they ah. can do it, no problem. So it just depends on if you got that clutch gene or not, I guess. Hmm, excellent point. Excellent point. Apparently, Michael does. Hey, man, I like it because you don't even know you don't even know what nerves are, bro. I like. <laughs> I don't know about all that now. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I like to think uh, I thrive under pressure. I don't. Michael know. can't dunk unless the crowd's roaring. Yes, and, you know, thousands yeah. watching. Then all of a sudden he's just like, yeah. And then Michael I'm like, Jordan. then I'm like just throwing down windmills. I don't even know what's up. <laughs> like dunking from the foul line and shit. That's right. <laughs> <clears throat> so in his junior year of high school, Lorenzen dated a girl named Shara. Her dad was the coach at the time um, of his team, and Shara was several several years older. So he's a junior in high school. She's a junior in college. Ooh. And they began hanging out. I don't think the the uh, 2020 special insinuated that they kind of hung out for a while before they dated, but I don't buy it. It's like, dude, if they were hanging out, they were they were getting it on. Oh yeah, they were, you know, they were young and you know. He's a junior in high school, man. He's and, like he's he's living up, man. He's like a hero among his high school. I'm he's sure. a junior in high school, and he's already probably like six nine at that point or six seven. Right. So I'm saying he's a hero there. Yeah. <laughs> so. As their relationship blossomed, uh, Lorenzen was smitten and blinded with infatuation for Shara. She was very beautiful. Right. Um, especially at the time. Um, she saw in Lorenzen a future. She knew that she, uh, he would probably make it to the pros at some point and become a millionaire. Uh, he accepted a scholarship to play for the University of Memphis and was recognized as a third-team All-American by the Associated Press as a sophomore. Wow. 
And while at the University of Memphis, uh, he drew huge crowds to watch the local boy dominate the court. He was beloved in in uh, Memphis. Yeah. And a lot of this comes from the fact that he stuck around, went to college there, and eventually he goes on to play in, in the pros in Memphis as well. Be one of the very few people that plays all three levels in their hometown. Right. It kind of sucks that uh, Mississippi just gets like kicked to the side, even though Mississippi raised him. You know, he, yeah. he grew up and played most of his basketball and training and whatnot in Mississippi. And then he only moved to Memphis as a high schooler. And they're like, homegrown boy. I'm like, well, well not exactly. Um, yeah. You're right. uh, M- M- Mississippi needs a little bit of credit for this as well. You know, I don't know. It's just my, yeah. just my opinion. It's my opinion. Not right. exactly a homegrown Memphis boy if he only went he to He outgrew like, it, though. He outgrew Mississippi, went on to Memphis. You know, yeah. that's why he went there was to get more competition. So oh, right. Maybe Mississippi should get more competitive. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> I don't know a shit about the South. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, Memphis is more competitive. Yeah, for sure. And you're going to get more yeah. looks. I mean, Mississippi is one of the poorest states in the country, man. I mean, yeah. that's, just, that's just what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like they're stuck in time, like back in time a little bit. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, there are a couple states around here that are. So, uh, in 1995, while Lorenzen was a sophomore at Memphis, Shara gave birth to a baby boy they named Lorenzen Jr. So, he's now a father. Um, young man, father, but he always wanted a big family. Yeah. That was something he always wanted. Um, he was a hard worker, great kid, um, and he, it was not going to be a problem for him with everything on his plate to be a good dad. He Between classes, he was visiting his boy and getting in as much time as he could as a father. Right. Then in 1996, after his sophomore season at age 20, Lorenzen decided to declare for the NBA draft. He decided it was time. 20, I mean, we've seen this done time and time again. If you got the size and the ability, you can start playing at 18, like LeBron or Kobe. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And almost any sport. You can hang with those guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. And I think at that age, they've been playing on adult courts all the time, too. You know, just not not necessarily – um, in organize, organized leagues, but like street pickup ball, they've been playing with adults for a while, and they know they can hang. So, Oh, of course. Of course. <clears throat> These guys were groomed for this. And then your father was a professional basketball player as well, and then your mother has like amazing work ethic and dedication, obviously. So, I mean, this guy, he had the genes, he had the size, he had everything. The work ethic. Yeah, he had the work ethic, he had it. Yeah, so... With, in the first round, with the seventh overall pick in the 1996 draft, the L.A. Clippers drafted Lorenzen Wright. So he was an early first-round pick. He got he became an instant millionaire, basically, and in his first season with them, they made the playoffs. That's incredible. And around this time, in 1998, on June 6th, uh, Lorenzen and Shara got married. So everything's coming together, together for him at this point, and that's when they start to grow their family massively. Yeah, they're living the dream, um, too, right now, man. Like the American dream yeah. is coming together for them, too. Yeah, and, and so he's got the money, he's got the the contract, um, and now his family continues to grow. In addition to Lorenzen Jr., they would have a daughter named Lauren, twins named Lamar and Shamar, another daughter named Sophia, another boy named Lawson, and another daughter named Sierra, who tragically died as an infant from sudden infant death uh, syndrome, oh, um, sadly. Yeah. And he would go on to uh, give to charities and, and participate in, in uh, awareness for that, that uh, tragedy. You know, yeah, that's hard for anybody to face. Yeah. So still in his 20s, he's now a father of six. Wow. That quickly, man. They got going. Yes. Um, and through the part, the early part of their marriage, things were good. They had an abundance of money. They spent it at a pretty fast pace. Um, Lorenzen loved cars and Cheryl loved jewelry. Uh, but they were living it up. You know, they had all these kids and they were they had plenty of money and they were 
having a great time. And following Lorenzen's rookie contract, he chose to go home and play basketball once again in front of his people in Memphis. And so, as we said, one of the very few athletes that plays high school, college, and pro in his in what they they just uh, what they call their hometown, I guess, as you mentioned, right, he's right. born in Mississippi, but. He viewed Memphis as his spot. Um, yeah. He would be one he of the very Memphis. few people to do this. Yeah, he loved it, man. Yeah. yeah. So he would sign with them in 2001 with the Grizzlies. And upon his return to Memphis, Lorenzen began spending his money uh, and, his, and spreading his wealth around. He gave time and money to local charities, and his house was the spot for all the friends and locals to hang out. It was described as Disneyland at the time, his home. <laughs> I'm sure it was, it was to open his doors friends. to everyone. <laughs> right. Yeah. All his friends that were basketball kids, players. So. Like, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. If his like friends said, were anything like him, yeah. If his friends were anything like him and had a bunch of kids, then damn, yeah, it, it must have looked <laughs> like Disneyland. Yeah, I'm sure they had a blast. He probably had like a full court, you know, full oh, size Olympic sure. swimming pool. To, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I've seen cribs. I know how these dudes do. <laughs> yeah, right. Lorenzen also bought his mom a house only three minutes away from his. Right on. The homes were separated by a secluded road called Callus Cutoff. The road had dense trees on both sides, a beautiful uh, country-style road in a, yeah. in a you know, suburb. It was kind of bizarre that the, what separated the two homes was this, what seemed to be like a desolate road, just right. surrounded by forests, basically. I bet this road was uh, privately made or something. Just, yeah. You know, maybe like maybe the people who owned a property near his or his property before or something like that had this road paved because it, it wasn't like one that people used to travel. I think it was just a good way to get around the neighborhood and it so happened. It's almost like it would, it's almost like it uh, it had been there and it was protected as the you know the suburbs grew around. Right. They decided to keep the that patch of forest. It was almost like West Memphis 3. You remember that patch of that with the the irrigation that ran through and that patch of woods that was just kind of random off the highway? Yeah, yeah. It almost has that feel to it. Hmm. And it seems like uh, also coincidentally bad shit happens in those little patches of things. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's nice and secluded, but bad mm-hmm. things happen in nice secluded areas as well. There's a little foreshadowing for you with this episode. Right. So in 2003, uh, Lorenzen founded the Sierra Simone Wright Scholarship Fund after the death of his daughter, as we mentioned. So he's giving back and, you know, make, turning it into a good, the tragedy that um, had happened to him and his wife. Right. Um, and then in de- during the summer of 2003, he returned to the University of Memphis to finish his degree. So right thinking ahead, you know, yeah. he's playing pro ball, but he still has the, you know, the wherewithal to, to get a degree so that, you know, after, afterwards he can start businesses, which he did. That's you right. Know, he was trying to prepare for life after basketball. Um, unfortunately, just, you know, the, his spending habits between him and his wife were hard to maintain even with multiple businesses. Right. It takes dis- it still takes discipline. You see it with a lot of uh, pro athletes right now. There if you follow them and see we kind of have access to pro athletes lives more than we ever have before because of social media. Mm-hmm. But most of the pro athletes that I follow individually on Instagram, almost all of them have side businesses. They have some yeah, other they're all entrepreneurs on the side. Yes, they have some other chain that they're opening or maybe an online business or well, or something. You know they're also in today's age they're getting nonstop um pitches for you know investment exactly i want you know will you would you would you want to invest in this business with me and this and that so all they really have to do is kind of open their email and i'm sure they've got endless opportunities to invest in yeah but that don't mean that they're the right ones you know no no i know ashton kutcher man that's that's one thing he does he's a he's an investor in in different companies and whatnot he goes and does does meetings and people pitch him their ideas and he decides whether to invest or not oh okay 
He's been doing that for a while. Yeah, I bet so. Cam Newton is like, uh, he started like a lounge in Atlanta. It's called a uh, dude. He should. Yeah, he's got style. That that's, dude. Like, that's what he I'm saying. Be doing something only. He no, should he open is. a club or something. He already like that. has one, bro. It's called Fellowship. It's in Atlanta. Okay. And uh, it's it seems to be doing really. He also well. should have. He also should own a hat store, like business type of thing. He should like, own like his own fashion line. He could put lids club. out of business with all the different hats oh, that he has. Dude, those fedoras are badass. <laughs> Yeah, right. those fedoras are, are legit. But he could. He could absolutely go into fashion and then have the lounge, have the high-end lounge, you know. It's like mm. a cigar-slash-wine lounge. You know, it's, it's pretty dope. That's awesome. It's pretty dope. It seems to be doing pretty well. He should have a whiskey wall in there and shit. Oh, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Yeah. So through the 2000s, Lorenzen and Shara's marriage was uh, had become turbulent and continued to be turbulent, turbulent through the 2000s as they discovered that both had been cheating on each other. I feel like it's pretty common with pro athletes' relationships. It's tough the because they're traveling around. The temptation is so around. high, though. The temptation is so Do high what? for these dudes. Yeah, it's I like mean, they get off the plane and there's women waiting for them. <laughs> the, you know, the, the, the average man that, that talks shit on these guys that cheat on their, on their wives and whatnot – it, they're to me and so stupid because it's just like you don't no one's being the the stuff that you're not getting women thrown at you every day no. like these guys are no 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 like no, no. all the people that hated on tiger woods when he cheated it's like the dude everywhere he goes He's every tiger plane woods. he gets off of there's women <laughs> waiting for him like right knock out like some of those beautiful women in the world are throwing themselves at him on a daily basis now you know bob down at the fucking factory when's the last time a beautiful woman threw herself at you bro? right if Chill that guy's out. cheating he's trying like fuck you bob yeah like it's different right yeah it's like what we said about them with like the emails of all the business opportunities and whatnot it's the same thing it's like yeah. the opportunity is endless when you're in the forefront you're a millionaire and everyone knows it yep and then but you're just trying to deflect all the stuff that's coming at you as opposed to us where it's like you you're right you have to go out of your way to try and cheat on your wife yeah. if you're an average yeah. joe yeah exactly and then on the other hand you know it's really not that much easier uh for the wife either like i'm not condoning infidelity oh, no. I- i'm just saying um yeah. it's not easy for her they're at home and she's, you're on the road all the time right and she's living this lavish lifestyle i mean you gotta imagine she always looks good and she's going mm-hmm. out and then she's around other successful men in the business constantly mm-hmm. and that's attractive to people you know, I mean, yep. money and success is attractive, whether you want to admit it or not. It makes people, it can bump a six up to an eight or a nine, ten really quick. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like a little bit of money in the bank. And it's it's a lot of temptation for these people. And they spend a lot of time apart. I think that is crucial That's as right. well. You know, a yeah. lot of time apart. Definitely. Yep. And so... Yeah, he was always on the road, um, and when he would land in different cities, there would be women waiting for him. They knew that you know that uh, the visiting team was coming into town, and and you hear stories of the a lot of pro athletes have multiple phones. They got phones for the the women in the different cities and different area codes, yeah, uh, <laughs> things like that. So you know how it goes. Uh-huh. Um, Lorenzen played for the Grizzlies from 2001 to 2006. Then he played for the Atlanta Hawks from 06 to 08 then the Kings for one season, and finally the Cleveland Cavaliers from 08 to 09, which would end up being his last season in the NBA. And his stint with the Cavaliers, he actually played alongside LeBron. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Uh, so the he will go through some of his career stats. Um, in his final season with the Cavaliers, he played alongside LeBron. The record was 66-16. and 16. They finished first in the Central Division and ended up losing in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Magic. Mm. Um, over his career, he averaged eight points and 6.4 rebounds a game. He played in 778 NBA games over 13 seasons. 
tallied up 6,191 points, 4,943 rebounds, and 622 assists. Wow. So very, very solid career in the NBA. No Maybe doubt. not Hall of Fame status, but like very solid 13-year career. Can't ask for more than that, you know? Absolutely. Consistent player. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and as far as like leaving the Grizzlies, uh, some of that stuff's out of your control. I believe he got traded at least once. So, right. you know, it, it's a business. It's a, that's so right. You, you can't always remember just that. play where you want to play forever. That's right. They don't really care about your happiness where you are because you're getting paid millions of dollars. So, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So, as his career came to an end in 2010, so did his marriage. Um, in 2010, Shara filed for divorce, and Lorenzen de- agreed that it was time. Um, they wanted to keep it civil as they wanted to be fair to their six children. And following their divorce, Lorenzen moved to Atlanta to live with his buddy, Mike. I think this is kind of a rebound period for him. He's trying to figure out what he's going to do now. You know, he moves out of his massive home that he's lived in with his wife and six kids for all these years. And now he's living in a condo in Atlanta with his buddy. So I think he's just trying to figure out where he wants to go with his life at this point. Right. Um, However, Lorenzen and Shara continued to see each other. They continued hooking up and even talking about starting over. At one point, Lorenzen even proposed again to Shara in front of their children, and she said yes. Oh man, those kids have got to be like those kids have got to be confused. They're like, "What the hell's going right. on?" It's like watching a ping pong game back and forth between their parents. Wait, I what thought is going on you here? guys hated each other. Oh, oh, we're moving back in. Okay, uh, all right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. And so this is where things start to take a turn, and we're leading up to Lorenzen's disappearance. So Lorenzen was frequently making trips from Atlanta to Memphis to see his family. One of these trips was on July 19th, 2010. While in Memphis, Lorenzen was supposed to meet with Shara and go to his daughter's dance recital. Shara had, you know, called him and asked him, hey, when you're you're here, let's go to your daughter's recital. There was also a baby shower, I believe, that was... In his family yes, that his, his mom sister. was expecting him to make it to? That was for, for his, his sister, sister. Okay. yeah. Yeah. And so that day on July 19th, he departed Atlanta at 10 a.m. And upon landing in Memphis, uh, I believe he, he touched down in Memphis and was um, out of the airport at around 1 p.m. He called his buddy Phil and wanted to hang out with him. His buddy Phil had just gotten a new car, um, and he'd been begging Lorenzen to go riding around with him. <laughs> you want to show up the new whip? I hear you. Of course. I hear you. Yeah, so... <laughs> So Phil picked up Lorenzen uh, at the airport in his new car, and the two drove around the city together for most of the day. Lorenzen even took a selfie with Phil's cell phone at 8.13 p.m., which would end up uh, sadly being the last picture ever taken of Lorenzen while I he was alive. I hate those pictures in these cases, right? The picture that happens know, like the day of is always the creepiest picture. I know it's just in hindsight. It is, too. But... The, picture, the picture, when you look at it, you're like, he just he, something looks a little off, right? He doesn't. He's not really smiling. He just kind of looks... He looks like this is his last picture, off. and he knows it. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. It's, just, it's got an eerie feeling it's to weird. it. He's just sitting in the passenger seat, and it's just like a close-up selfie of his shoulders and head, and that's it. But it just seems... It was the, it was the worst picture that I saw of him throughout, like, oh, no doubt. I mean, seeing his face a million times. Very good-looking dude. So photogenic, right? It's like, there's not yeah. a bad picture of this guy out here. And then, ironically, the one he takes of himself is probably the worst. That's It's, yeah. it's usually the opposite. Very good. <laughs> <clears throat> yep. <clears throat> yeah, and so um, Lorenzen was hanging out with his buddy Phil, and I guess they were going to have a father-son night that night. They were going to go out with their boys. Mm-hmm their sons, and have fun that night. Oh, yeah. However, uh, Phil and Lorenzen started getting 
calls from Shara, and Shara was upset. She wanted uh, she wanted Lorenzen to come home, and Phil ended up dropping him off. Lorenzen told Phil that he was going to go in and calm her, calm down his ex wife, and hang out for a little bit, and then he would call him, and they would still go out later. Okay. However, however, Phil did not hear back from him. Um, did not receive that call uh, to come hang out again. And the next thing that uh, happens in the timeline of this story is at 12.13 a.m. that night, Germantown Police Department receives a 911 call. There is audio that you can listen to out there. It was in the – it's in every, every like, documentary and special about this case. Yeah, I probably put it in the intro. Um, I'm sure you've already yeah, heard it in the <laughs> intro. Um, there was no caller ID, and the dispatcher is unable to get a location for the caller, and the dispatcher is trying to ask who it is and what's going on, but it's in, you know, kind of incoherent screaming and gunshots. There's many gunshots heard. The caller is clearly in distress, and I believe the caller, all they said was goddamn, and then was basically being shot, it sounded like. Yeah, and then you have the uh, um, 911 operator just saying, hello, hello, yeah. hello, you know, constantly. Um, I think there's like eleven yeah. gunshots. Wasn't there something like eleven gunshots? There was a lot. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I never counted them, but there was certainly a lot. It's pretty creepy audio. Yeah, and then the lady's like, "All I hear is gunshots," and then we do nothing mm-hmm. with the call for some reason. Oh. Yeah, and so for whatever reason, the dispatcher chose not to do anything about it. And I guess they said in they said in the 2020 special that after talking to the police station that that was the dispatcher did the right thing according to protocol, I guess? Because because the call was pinged outside of their jurisdiction. So they were like, oh, okay, well, that's not us anyway. But why not okay, notify the Okay, so let's not people? contact the jurisdiction. Exactly. That, hey, some stuff's going on. Exactly. Give that information to the jurisdiction that needs to handle it. And then nobody did it. It, it was like it was just set on hold and nobody ever picked it up. You know what yeah. I mean? That's basically what happened here. It, it was just uh, nobody did anything wrong per se. But also, nobody went out of their way to make sure that this was taken care of. Yeah, and because of this, what could have been you know, the investigation for this murder could have gotten started right away. Things would have been different. There would have been a lot more evidence. Um, obviously, the body would have been uh, in much better shape, right? Um, because because from late July nineteenth, no one had heard from Lorenzen for over four days. Um, so following. You know, him being picked up at the airport, riding around with his buddy Phil, and then being dropped back off at his home. Following that, no one has heard from him. But this is um, not that strange it, for Lorenzen, though. No. People weren't that worried because he was known to hop on a plane, go to Europe, uh, yeah. and get out of the go country, to Vegas, go to wherever. Vegas, whatever, and have, have a good time and not let anybody know and then just show up. I mean, he he had the funds to do that. He's an adult. You know, he's technically divorced yeah. at this time. So he didn't owe an explanation to anyone. So people didn't worry. Yeah, though right he away. was retired, he was he, he was retired, but he was still living a bit of an NBA NBA lifestyle. Right. Still jumping on a jet and flying here or there. Oh, of course. And wouldn't always answer his phone. And there was times where he, you know, his all of his friends and, and family said the same thing. They said, you know what? For a couple of days, we weren't really that worried about it because that was just Lorenzen. Right. And so, but uh, Lorenzen's mother became became concerned and eventually did call on July 22nd to report him missing due to the fact that he hadn't been calling his daughter Lauren back, which that was one that thing that was rare. You know, he, yeah. he was usually pretty good about getting back to his daughter. And, right. You know, as a, as a parent, we, we can understand that. Oh yeah. So it's one thing to, you know, blow off friends and whatnot like that. Cause you're busy, but you know, your, your kids, your daughter's calling you, you want to get back to them. That's right. So when Lorenzen was reported missing, 
um, it became quite a big story, you know, as we know how big he was in Memphis, um, kind of a local hero there. And the fact that he's missing that coming out, that it, it blew up. It was all over every news station. Speculation ensued. And following his disappearance, investigators began looking into his life. They learned that he was not doing all that well financially, despite, being, uh, despite having made over $55 million in his career. Um, he had a sports cafe that, w- that he owned that was ran by his dad, wasn't making much money, and he had a car detailing shop as well. Um, and they also found out that he had a relationship with an interesting man named Bobby Cole, who was a high-level drug dealer and race car driver. And that's where speculation got a little bit out of hand in regards to Lorenzen and drug dealing, which turns out was completely unfounded, and there was no, no evidence to back the fact that he was involved in any drug dealing or anything like that. But it didn't stop things from kind of spiraling out of control as far as speculation with that. It, there was a lot of talk that maybe some he owed some drug dealer money and there was hitmen that came to Memphis to kill him, you know, all these type of things. Right. And that's not disproven, but it's in no way, shape, or form proven either. No. Be, I mean, the only connection to him in any kind of drug dealing was the fact that he knew this Bobby Cole character, but the only reason he knew Bobby Cole is that Bobby Cole had bought a couple of Lorenzen car, Lorenzen's cars. That's right. That was the common thing. That was the, the basis of their friendship was cars, not drugs. Right, right. Lorenzen was, yeah, he was a big motorhead. He had a lot of badass cars, mm-hmm. and this guy was interested in cars, and Lorenzen needed some money. And a quick way to uh, get some of that capital back in the bank is to sell off some of your assets. You can't drive them all at one I get time. The feeling, <laughs> I get the feeling... Uh, like Motorhead, that blood, oil ran in, the, in their veins, both of them. Yeah, you know, yeah. Lorenzen and Bobby Cole. And, the, and Lorenzen had a means to fund his obsession with cars and playing basketball. Uh-huh. Bobby Cole was not six foot nine and not a pro athlete, so he funded it with drugs, <laughs> drug dealing. You <laughs> there know? you go. That's how, he, that's how he kept up his obsession with race car driving. They just had different means of doing it. Right, right, right. And actually, the DEA had actually already investigated Bobby Cole and Lorenzen's relationship. They had been on to Bobby Cole, watching his every move as a high-level drug dealer, obviously. Mm -hmm. And they had found that, you know, Lorenzen, who is a well-known guy, had been meeting with Bobby Cole, and they had actually looked into their relationship and uh, interviewed Bobby Cole in the past to see if there had been any drug transactions made between them, and they were unable to find any evidence of such transactions. So they had already the DEA had already looked into their relationship between Cole and Lorenzen and found nothing. Right. Um, so that a lot of that whole, you know, the, he was killed over drug dealing stuff is completely unfounded. I've, I've determined through studying this case. That is just to get people sidetracked. And when you learn the people that brought that stuff up later, it starts to become more and more clear as to why that was yeah, just a... like the people that we, we believe killed him right. may have brought a lot of that <laughs> yeah, stuff into instance, the fold as a distraction. Uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's all that was, is a distraction, something to throw people off the case, to add a little bit of doubt, and I think it did a good job doing that. Hey, Creepers, did you know every 26 seconds there's a break-in in this country? But with Simply Safe Home Security, you can protect your whole home around the clock. It's serious, lasting protection, and all it takes is a simple 30-minute setup. You'll even get a free security camera when you protect your home today. More on that in a second. I set up my Simply Safe system in about 30 minutes. I now have sensors on all my doors and windows, and I even have a motion sensor in my basement. I can sleep like a baby now, knowing that if anyone tries to get in my home, that my alarm will be set off. Simply Safe is an award-winning arsenal of sensors and security cameras that blankets every inch of your home. You'll know your home and family are always safe. You set Simply Safe up yourself in a few minutes without any tools or wiring. No technician or salesperson has to step foot in your home. 
Then Simply Safe will monitor your home around the clock with security professionals who are there in case of an emergency to immediately send help to your home. Plus, there's no contract, no hidden fees, and no installation costs. It's why a U.S. News and World Report named Simply Safe Best Overall Home Security of 2020. And here's the best part. Right now, visit simplysafe.com/creeper and get a free security camera plus a 60-day risk-free trial with any new system order. There's nothing to lose. Go today to simplysafe.com/creeper. That's simplysafe.com/creeper. So when police uh, when police question Shara about Lorenzen's disappearance, it's natural for them to interview the spouse, obviously, and one of the last people to see him. Right. Um, when they interviewed her, she said that the night that they went, uh, that he went missing, he was at the home with a guy she had never seen before, uh-huh. and they had a box of drugs, presumably to go sell, okay. because they needed money. Just a box of drugs, huh? Just good old box of drugs. <laughs> I know, right? That just sounds around. phony as fuck. I know. <laughs> box of yeah, drugs. Yeah, I, I didn't even think like about that. Like, drugs. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they smelled like drugs. I don't know. Yeah, that makes right. me think of a uh, underrated movie, The Night Before. Uh, it's a Christmas movie with Seth Rogen and all those characters. Oh and, uh, yeah, you've talked about this in movie, that movie before. <laughs> yeah, in that movie, his wife like they they'd go out once a year on Christmas Eve, I believe. Yeah, and and you know they party hard and stuff, and it's it's just kind of accepted with their spouses and whatnot. And on that night, his wife went out and bought him like a box of drugs, like a literal, but it's like <laughs> one of each thing. He's like the proportions of this shit are all off. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> She was like, I don't know. I just ordered the box of drugs. There's, yeah, there's like mushrooms, coke, like weed, like everything. It was funny. Oh, my God. But yeah, yeah. a box of drugs just sounds bogus, right? It that does. sounds like someone who doesn't know anything about it. Yeah, it sounds like bullshit. Like he's just making that up. <clears throat> yeah. Um. So the police are looking at her, questioning her, and she's denying, denying, um, saying that, you know, I don't know. He was with this this guy I've never seen. They were going to sell drugs, and then that's the last time I heard from him. So... Um, local news reporters uh, even went to Shara's door and got an interview from her. Standing in her doorway, talking to them, she said, he was fine, and now he, and he's fine now. Maybe a little Freudian slip there. He was fine, talking about him in past tense. Ah. He, I thought that was kind of odd. And then she quickly fixed it. She said, he was fine, and he's fine now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to believe anything other than that. He's fine now. Right. And so I feel like she slipped a little bit there and talking about him in past tense when you know he's only been missing for a few days no one knows whether he's alive or not right it's almost like she assumed that they were going to ask how he was feeling in the time leading up yeah. to his disappearance right oh he right. was fine he was fine he was fine <laughs> i mean he still is i mean if he was alive he'd yeah. still be fine i mean he still is alive totally totally I mean, not dead totally. yeah not dead he's fine not dead just to clear that up yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, the one thing that stuck out to Lorenzen's friends about the night that he went missing was the fight that he had had with Shara. That mm-hmm. night, as we mentioned, Lorenzo and Phil were going to have that father-son night with the boys, and Shara called and demanded that Phil bring him home. She was pretty livid um, when you know Phil could overhear their conversations on the phone. And um, Then on the 28th, nine days after his disappearance, police finally discovered the 911 call that had been made in Germantown that night, um, and recovering that audio changed everything. So they, you know, they had a timeline to start with, and they now assumed the worst, essentially. And they were able to triangulate a location, and right. that, that leads them to find the body. Um, basically, they found the 911 call by just kind of, they were running out of options. They were running out of leads with this. Time was passing by, and they just, you know, started looking at anything they could. And they started, you know, was there any calls made around the time that he disappeared? And sure enough, they find this audio call that was never really 
passed along like it should have been, in yeah. my opinion. Can you imagine it would have them changed the timeline listening? of everything? Can you imagine the the police or whoever it was that looked this up listening to this and going, "Oh my God, like yeah. how was this not followed up? This is yeah. this is embarrassing. Like how do we hear eleven gunshots or you know at least eleven gunshots in a call yep. and then we don't even we don't even trace it. We don't even go there. I mean, in in two thousand ten, come on, man, mm-hmm. come on. Yep. Yeah. So with the uh, the phone call that had been made to 911 that night with the gunshots and whatnot, police were able to get through cell phone records, the towers, they were able to ping the towers where the phone call had been come, had come from, and they were able to locate a heavily wooded road that goes from Lorenzen's mother's house to his uh, former home and now Shara's home, mm-hmm. Callus Cutoff, which we had talked about earlier. The kind of creepy road that went between his home, his former home and his mom's home that's just very densely wooded. Um, and some bad stuff could happen in there and uh, not be found for a while. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, so they, they go there and pretty much right away, that same day, they located Lorenzen's body, badly decomposed after being exposed to the elements. This is the southern summer. This is July. Oh, yeah. Um, in you know in Memphis and so after being exposed to the elements for nine days what remained of Lorenzen's body only now weighed 57 pounds yeah you're not and gonna make it out there in the, the woods bro in the, in the summer all the animals are going full-fledged too yeah like everything out there that's 57 pounds this is a man that was what he was probably 250 I think he was 270 he was 6'9 oh, like 270. 270 and ended yeah. up down to 57 pounds in just nine days I mean, a body can yeah. decompose very quick in that summer heat. That's just, probably close to what his skeleton weighed, I imagine. He's probably just not much left more than a skeleton at that point. Right. Um, <clears throat> and they found that he'd been shot at least five times. Um, you can. They showed, the one thing they did show is where his body had been found, and it was like, you know, a black outline in, in some, like, dead grass mm-hmm. where his body was laying. Right. Not a whole lot of effort to hide the body it seems like it could it was like right off the road and laying in an open area right seems like you could have at least half buried him something i don't know but the crime scene nonetheless because it took so long for them to find him uh left very very few clues and there were no witnesses which made it a very difficult investigation um initially investigators friends and uh, family's main person of interest was obviously shara and Lorenzen's mother was always, Deborah, she was always very weary of Shara. They never had a great relationship. They got along because, you know, the grandkids, as far as Deborah, she wanted to stay civil so she could be close to her son and close to her grandkids, but she never liked Shara. Of course. Um, and now that her son went missing, she was very, basically pointing right away to the police to say Shara did this, in my opinion. Right. Um, however... Uh, from the investigation side, Shara was initially forthcoming and took away a lot of their suspicion. However, in the middle of uh, you know them questioning her and whatnot, she suddenly decided to lawyer up, which was weird to them. They're like, she was forthcoming, she was doing a good job. Like we, our suspicion was being kind of squashed, and then all of a sudden she lawyered up and she didn't want to talk anymore. Meanwhile, Lorenza's mother was relentlessly pestering police every day to find her son's killer. Um, and as time passed. Time passed, and this case kind of went cold. Meanwhile, Shara became a pastor at her church. She was always involved in this church, and after Lorenzen's passing, she became more involved and became a pastor. Yeah. She then spent many days in court defending herself after Lorenzen's father uh, opened a lawsuit against her for 
spending too much of the money. She got a $1 million settlement, life insurance policy right. settlement from Lorenzen's death. One million, it was like $1,033,000 um, right. for Lorenzen's death. Which and is she an, was blowing through this money. Right. Which I was, Sorry, I was going to say, it's important to note that Lorenzen wasn't bringing in anywhere near this much at this time. So he was, he yeah. was literally worth more dead to her and the kids. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, especially because they were divorced. So she gets the whole $1 million instead of getting a piece of whatever he's bringing in, which isn't as much. Exactly. Exactly. Which is the child support, <clears throat> alimony, or whatever it is. Even though, even mm-hmm. though it pro- I'm sure it gave her a lavish lifestyle still. Um, yeah. But it, you know, it wasn't a million dollars to do what you want. As we hear from people later on, it was never enough for her. There was never enough money for Shara. Right. Um, sadly, she was very greedy. That's why, that's um, why she got into the church. Oh man, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're going to hell. I'm, I'm speaking the truth though, and, and y'all that's in church know it. These pastors, man, some of these pastors, it's crazy what they make yeah. for the amount of work that they put yeah. in. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know they deserve a bigger piece for spreading the word, that's spreading right. the gospel, doing God's work. <laughs> We're making more people prosperous with the, right. with the in Jesus' name. That's right. Highly faithful. That's why I deserve a mansion and a Lamborghini to drive to church. That's right. That's right. Jesus would want me to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Shara was spending the one million dollar life insurance payout um, on extravagant items for herself, uh, in Lorenzen's father's opinion. Mm-hmm. So Herb be- believed, you know, that her buying three cars, three Mercedes, within a few months of Lorenzen's death was not in the best interest of the kids long term. No. That one million dollars needed to that was there so that you know the six kids could have something. As they become young adults, you know, pay for college and whatnot. You know, there's a lot of expenses, but she was buying multiple cars, jewelry, and you name it. She lived a very extravagant lifestyle. Right, right. So she was in court every day defending herself against um, Lorenzen's father on that case. Um, and meanwhile, she later tried to get even more um, out of the estate. Mm. Um, so then in 2012, to everyone's surprise, Shara released a book called, quote, Mr. Tell Me Anything. This book was supposed to be fiction, but didn't appear to be fiction. It appeared to be clearly about her relationship with Lorenzen. It was, you know, right. And I'll read the dis- actually you read the description of this book. I looked it up on Amazon. You can find the book on Amazon and the, the description okay. written by Shara for the book. Michael's going to read right now. Okay, here it goes. It says, "Falling in love with the same man of her dreams over and over again was not a difficult task for Sharon Robert- Robertson." She had cherished Mr. Tell Me Anything so long that her fragile heart didn't even know how not to love him. After six years, the couple settles into a troubled marriage. Despite the inherited challenges of parenting and relating to their obvious differences, they continue on. With the constant chaos surrounding women, new acquaintances, family, and greed, their efforts would soon appear to be ultimately in vain. Combined with the newfound lies and deception, she finds herself questioning his commitment. Her belief in true love propels her to fight for what she had envisioned from the start. But despite her nurturing efforts, corruption and deceit took their stable places in his life. A breaking point is reached. She makes a life-altering decision. Does it work out for good? Did all his lies finally catch up to him? Would he or she pay the ultimate price? (laughs) Now, what do you think that she makes a life-altering decision? What do you think that was? <laughs> was it maybe to kill her husband? I'm going to say, her, yeah. Her ex-husband. I'm going to say it was to alter her <clears throat> husband's life into non-existence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Did all his lies finally catch up to him? I'm going to uh, say, uh, in your opinion, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and so a lot of that stuff in the book, uh, man. So there was an interview by a journalist. He hit up Shara following the release of her book, and he met her at a restaurant. Um, it was very loud, but he recorded their interview. They, he talked to her for like 90 minutes yeah. and interviewed it at the table and uh, asked her a lot of hard-hitting questions. Like, um, and in, in the interview with this with this journalist, she admitted that the male character in the book was based on Lorenzen, and she insinuates that Lorenzen, quote, had a problem with keeping his hands to himself. And a lot of times, in the, a lot of stuff in the book insinuates um, domestic violence. Um, him, yeah. you know, she insinuates that Lorenzen hit her and whatnot hey, in the book. Um, not not giving any credit to that or whatnot, but did you notice something in the way that uh, Shara talks? Did you notice that her, like in the uh, in the more recent interviews, like later on, it's like in the in the early pictures of her and videos and stuff, she looked fine. But in the later mm-hmm. interviews, it was almost like her jaw was a little bit crooked. It almost looked like she it, had like a droopy eye too. It, yeah, it looked like on the one later side, on. like maybe she suffered a stroke or maybe she yeah. took a hard I would hit say, to that's the a, jaw. That's kind of what it looked like. That's kind of what it looked like. Is like it looked like she had suffered a stroke because it seemed like one side of her face was not. It was her face wasn't symmetrical anymore. Where it really was, she was gorgeous. Yeah. in her early life. Right. So I mean, that's that's. But that's I mean, typical under to the say stress. That's because Lorenzen hit her. That's there's no real proof of that other than no. her saying that. And now we know what she is. She's a she's a killer. Right. But I'm wondering um, if she's so. like milking that because she never gave any explanation for that either. You know, but she very yeah. well could have suffered a stroke under. The, I'm sure the stresses that she was under, whether mm-hmm. she is responsible for this or not, it's still a lot of stress and could put someone in that situation. Um, yeah, but I just thought I just yeah, found I it very that. odd. You know, the way that I she, did notice that. Yeah, yeah. so just want to bring that up. Um, she also said that the sequel of her first book to her first book was 90 percent done, and that the male character, much like Lorenzen, would be murdered in the end of the sequel. Spoiler alert. Wow! So Way to ruin your own book. Yeah, I know. Sure. Well, the 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 the, <laughs> the uh the the interviewer, the journalist, yeah. he straight out asked her. He's like, yeah, he won't let it go. <laughs> and yeah, and is the character killed in the end? And she basically said yes. Ah, uh, damn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a weird place and for so, an interview. Like you said before, the restaurant was so damn loud. It's like she might have wanted a public setting. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's a good point. And so this book goes out, and she's getting hit up for all kinds of interviews. And the next journalist that interviews her was a name named a guy named Kelvin Cowens, mm-hmm. and she puts her spell on him. And you know he breaks the code of journalists, and he gets into an intimate relationship with Shara. And the two even end up moving together to Houston. And he spends three years with Shara in an intimate relationship. He's around the boys, the, the kids, all the time. Um, however, and he's interviewed in the 2020 special, um, Kelvin, and he's coming out with a, didn't he say he's coming out with a, a documentary about her later on? Yes, he is. It's called, it's called, about uh, the relationship. What is it? A million reasons or something? Yeah. I think it's called a million reasons. Yeah. It's supposed to be coming out very soon, I guess. First of 2021, I'm guessing. That title, a million reasons would insinuate that maybe the reason she killed him was a million dollars. Oh, I see what you're doing there. It's a good wordplay. So, and the S in uh, reasons is money. <laughs> is okay. a money sign in the logo. I saw the logo for the doc. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's a good assumption there. So, Shara gets with Kelvin. They spend three years together intimately. However, eventually, um, he said that Shara's complete obsession with money drove him away. 
and he left her because he, he was like, at a certain point, it's just like, I can't, I can't believe that this is still just all about money. So after the, you know, the whole lawsuit between uh, Lorenzen's father and Shara was finally settled, she was still going after more money in the estate, uh, trying to get more money from Lorenzen's family and whatnot. Um, it was never enough. And he just was like, I can't believe this. I can't believe she's still, this is, she's got everything she could need or want, and she still wants more. Oh, yeah. And it just bothered him. It was never enough. Yeah. So following the breakup with Kelvin, Shara moved again, this time to California. It seemed like she was moving further and further away from Memphis because there was a lot of eyes on her in Memphis. A lot of, pe- a lot of people were still speculating that she had killed uh, Lorenzen, and they were just they just kept moving west, and now they're on the coast, far, far away. Um, and there she married a man named Tim Robertson, who was a – he was working for a record label and at one point had lived in Memphis, so they had that tie to Memphis, Memphis together, and maybe that's where they had known each other from. Yeah, maybe. And it's at this time in the in the in the story here, it's 2017. It's been seven years since Lorenzen was murdered, and there's still no justice. But the biggest break in the case was about to be announced. So on November in November of 2017, police suddenly announced that the gun used in the murder had been found in a lake in Mississippi. Oh no! And and you're thinking, how did they suddenly find this gun in a lake? I know, right? Like, and they back had to have gotten tipped off, right? It's like, why, why are we back in Mississippi all yeah. of a sudden? Yeah, yeah. This is weird. And, and so that's when the, the first 48 detective I talked about that I liked that was interviewed in 2020, he's like, when I heard that, I knew that someone got desperate and talked. That's what happened. Yep, yep. And, of course, he was right. Um, the gun was found thanks to Shara's cousin, a guy named Jimmy Martin, who was currently in jail for killing his girlfriend. He had been sent, he had been convicted of second degree murder for the killing of his girlfriend and was awaiting his sentencing when he in a basically a Hail Mary attempt offered up information about Lorenzen's murder in an attempt to try and get a lighter sentence for the crime he was facing. I don't think he got anything for that though, did he? I think no, he just No, he got nothing. Yeah, I mean, he just kind of gave it up and it helped further this case, <laughs> but then he got nothing out of it, but Yeah. But he could have very well been involved. So, I think that's that's the right thing to do. He was. I mean, he, according to him, he helped to clean up the scene there's, later. Yeah, there's no way he... Oh, he did more than that. He, If he knew where... Yeah, he, you're right. He could have been if there. If he knew where this gun was, come on, man. He probably did more Yeah, he that. wouldn't... If he's trying to get a lighter sentence for killing his girlfriend, then he wouldn't admit to... Killing another a person. Role, killing, actually killing <laughs> right. Lorenzen, yeah. Right. Yeah, that won't help. So Jimmy tells uh, investigators at this time that Shara and a man named Billy Ray Turner had killed Lorenzen. Billy was a landscaper and kind of a nobody, a guy that kind of flew under the radar. Nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Um, he was this landscaper that had mowed lawns in the area, and he was a deacon at the local church. Jimmy said that this wasn't the first time either that they had tried to kill Lorenzen. So basically, uh, Shara had hired these two to kill Lorenzen in the past, and it didn't work out the first time. They had gone down to Atlanta Remember when Shara and Lorenzen first got divorced and Lorenzen moved down to Atlanta yep. to live in that condo with his buddy? That's right. Right when that happened, uh, Shara allegedly had gone down there with these two gentlemen, Jimmy and uh, Jimmy and Billy, Billy yep. to, try and, to try and kill Lorenzen. Um, she had actually gone into the condo. She'd gone down there and she called up 
Lorenzen and went to the condo. He was staying out with his buddy, and his buddy was like, it was kind of weird that she just kind of showed up to the condo down there. It's like, they're divorced. Why is she here? Yeah. And she's walking around this condo, and she apparently left a window unlocked. She unlocked a window to the condo so that uh, Billy and Jimmy could get in there and kill Lorenzen that night. Yep. That night... Uh, Billy and Jimmy went into the condo and found that Lorenzen wasn't there. It was one of those late nights that Lorenzen was, you know, out who knows where, partying or something, wasn't home. Uh, all they found was Lorenzen's buddy on the couch sleeping and decided since he was sleeping and he wasn't the guy they wanted to kill, they just would they leave. Just so they left yeah. and, yep. Well, you don't want and to add buddy. any more attention, killing another innocent person. I yeah, the guy. buddy in the documentary was funny. He was like, dude, I, if I would have woken up, I'd be dead right now. Like, they were, there was two men standing there in my condo looking to kill Lorenzen. Yeah. And the only reason I'm alive is because Lorenzen wasn't there. Because if Lorenzen was there, they would have killed Lorenzen, and they most likely would have killed him, too, because he would have woken up. And Oh, yeah. So he got very lucky that Lorenzen wasn't there. No doubt. He got lucky he didn't wake up, too, man. God, I feel like I would have I woke up. I'm a light sleeper when it comes to stuff like that. I feel like right. when I can hear, as I always sleep with a fan on, and I feel like mm-hmm. when people like walk in front of the fan, which is, you know, on they would have to walk in front of the fan to come to my side of the bed. I'm gonna hear the difference in oh, the. That's fan. your little alarm system, huh? Yeah, because I and I know and I know I wake up by it because when one of my kids have a bad dream or something, like my youngest daughter, she's seven, and occasionally when she has a bad dream, she'll come in there and I can hear her coming in front of the fan because it's like, yeah, and you hear that gap and you're like, whoa, what the hell? I don't know. It's like something well, in my subconscious. It wakes me up, and I'm like, "What are you doing in here, girl? You scared the shit out of me." You know. Well, Lorenzen and his buddy, all they needed was some simply safe sensors on those windows. That's right. And it some simply safe. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. Hey, don't sleep uh, on those simply safe. So, yeah. So Jimmy said that a couple days after Lorenzen's murder, Billy asked him for uh, help with locating the gun which they had dropped during the muddy, the the murder and disposing of it. So. Mm-hmm. They come to him, uh, Jimmy, uh, Billy and uh, Shara come to Jimmy and they say, hey, we killed Lorenzen. Uh, this is where it happened and we, lo- we lost the gun during the murder. We need your help to find it and we need to get rid of it. And so that's where you know, he says he went with them to that, that road on the, the patch of woods. They found the gun and they took it to a lake in Mississippi where they threw it in. And that's how he was able to tell investigators that you know, the gun was in this location and they were able to go there and actually find it, which corroborated everything that he was saying. The one thing that you're saying, which is totally true, is that he absolutely was most likely there during yeah, the murder. He may have alibi, very well been the guy that actually killed that him. That alibi makes no sense. First off, you shoot someone with a gun. How do you lose the gun? Like, what are you, what are you doing? What, yeah. what are you doing? How do you lose the gun in that quick time? And also, let's say you kill somebody with one other person. Why are you going to go tell somebody else and make more loose ends mm-hmm. and have them involved right. in it? Even if you trust exactly. them, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Both of those gentlemen were there. I'm not sure if Shara was there or not. Um, probably not. But Are you even 100% convinced that that, uh, that Billy Turner was there? I'm not. Because, I mean, 100%. if you think about it, Jimmy, while he's in prison, he needs another man to to say was the killer, right? But, they don't, no one's going to believe that Shara was the one who walked up and shot Lorenzen nine times or however many times it was. Right. There needs to be another man there. Billy's this guy that was around the area that... Yeah, but the you only know, thing that makes me think that Billy was there is he has no alibi. He he hasn't given any reason to not be there. He's just kind of like, well, let's just let the court decide. And people like that make me a little bit nervous. It's like, well, well, what's your side? What's your story? Give me your story. Yeah. Like, give me something. 
What were you doing yeah. that day? Where were you on this day? What? How do you know Shara? And he did, and it does seem as though he, he had some sort of relationship with Shara. Yeah, he he was allegedly nothing. had been sleeping with her. Yeah, um, and we know how she puts people under her spell. I mean, look how she got mm-hmm. the reporter, and then now she has the landscaper guy. And like, yeah, I don't know, man. It just seems like yeah. they were all involved. Yeah. So. So they find all this stuff out. They talk to Jimmy. They find the gun, and Jimmy's telling them, you know, it was this guy, Billy Turner, and it was Shara. Um, And so the police, they start recording Billy's conversations, and they are able to – that's another thing that doesn't look good on Billy, I suppose, is they were able to find something incriminating in his phone calls. Mm -hmm. And they arrested him on December 5th, 2017. And it's kind of a shock. Everybody, you know, the news lets out. We, someone's been ele- arrested for the murder of Lorenzen Wright, finally. Yep. And it's a guy named Billy Turner that no one's ever heard of. And they're like, well, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, why did he kill him? Um, yeah, and so December 5th, 2017, he's arrested. And 10 days later, Shara Wright would also be arrested uh, while in California. And she would be extradited back to Memphis to face the charges. Uh-huh. Turner uh, Turner was a previously convicted felon on re- unrelated charge that stemmed from a case in the early 90s um, where he was found in, in illegal possession of a gun that he was arrested for uh, when he was arrested for murder in the right case. So they when they arrested him for the, the murder, he had a gun on him, and he wasn't allowed to have a gun because he was a felon from the 90s. Um, and so they basically they, they charge him with this, and he accepts these charges right away. And now that freaked out there, you know, basically it was like a waiting game between uh, Billy Turner and Shara mm-hmm. and their, each of their lawyers. They were like, who's going to take a plea deal first? Right. Um, and when he accepts the charges for this gun, for the, for, for the, you know, illegal weapons charge and basically accepts a 20 year sentence for that. Now Shara is really worried that he's going to testify against her in her murder trial and she goes ahead and takes a plea deal, which is fucking bullshit. Like, she got off way too easy in this one, yes, in my did. opinion. Yes, she did. And the and her yeah, taking so, the plea deal just tells you everything you need to know as well. Yeah. Because she didn't want to go to trial. Why didn't she want to go to trial? Right. Because the truth would have been outed. Exactly. So, so after Shara and her lawyers learned about the plea deal that uh, Billy Turner was taking, her lawyers uh, worried that Turner would strike a plea deal, and he did. Um, and in the right murder case to testify against, uh, her, her lawyer said, we told her if Billy testifies against you, it's going to be disastrous. So on July 25th, 2019, uh, Shara agreed to a plea deal, pleading guilty to the facilitation of first degree murder. Prosecutors agreed to a lesser sentence of 30 years in prison for parole with parole eligibility, eligibility, uh, for which she could be released as early as 2026. So she only had to serve a third of the 30 years before she'd be eligible for parole. Right. So 10 years um, for facilitating, quote-unquote, the murder of her husband and father of her six children, which is just despicable, in my opinion. It makes it so much worse. You have six kids with this man. Right. He, he's an important figure in the six children you have <laughs> yeah. in their lives. Yes. A big, you know, a, a, one of the hardest things to replace is a father figure for your children and he was, by all accounts, a great dad. Yes, yes, he and was. And you take you take him out of this for money. I mean, even it's disgusting. Even when he moved out of Memphis, he was constantly f- going back and forth to Memphis to be there mm-hmm. for the kids, for games and right. re- dance recitals and this and that. I mean, that's how she lured him back mm-hmm. in there in the first place. Was the kids? Yeah, you know, think about it. He he yeah. was there. And for speaking him. of the kids, the 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 hardest part and the most you know heart wrenching part of this whole story 
without a doubt for me was after, you know, she accepts the facilitation of murder charge in the courtroom. They gave, the court gave uh, Lorenzen's mother a chance to speak. Yeah. Um, and she'd been holding her tongue through this whole thing. She had an outburst early on in the trial. Um, and she was warned by the judge to, you know, keep quiet or else she would be removed from the court. And she's holding her tongue. And now she knows she, she was right all along. She's been telling everybody that Shara did this and now she's justified and everybody was waiting for what is she going to say when she gets her chance to turn, look at Shara after it's been proven that she made this happen. What is she going to say? And it surprised everyone. It definitely surprised me. No doubt. How she handled it. And it was so sad because all she wanted to do was plead with Shara to see her grandkids. And I get that. Rather than I, that is, lay into her. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, that's that's so honorable to see that. Like, that is a character trait that I love in people. And mm-hmm. it's people who, we, we've talked about this before, Lauren, but it's it's people who recognize the situation they're in, and they're like, how do I make this better now? And she's, she's going, yeah. I've already lost my son. This woman is going to prison. She's going to pay for a part of it, and, you know, whether it be enough or not, whatever. But... The whole neat thing she, she cares she about already, now is the relationship she can have with her grandkids. She's looking forward. She's moving forward with her life. She's moving on and trying to make the best of it, which is it takes a big person, especially a person to do that instantly while you're still in court with your son's killer. Mm-hmm. And she's already yeah. going, you know, my son is gone, and this is what he would want. He would want his children to have a good relationship with his mother and his father and his family, and that's what I want. You know, and most of these yeah. kids were adults amazing. at the time. It was amazing. The first thing she said to her was actually, thank you. She said, thank yeah. you for, I want to say thank you for my grandchildren. Yeah. And that was the last thing anyone expected because she had this vitriol in her heart for this woman I'm who saying, took her man, son it's, from her. But she had already been not being able to see her grandchildren because since Lorenzen was murdered and she had been speaking publicly about how she believed Cheryl was had played a role in it. Right. Shara had cut off her ability to see her grandkids, you know, and I'm sure had been speaking badly about, you know, about, uh, the, you know, Lorenzen's mother. Right. And so she was like, I miss when my grandkids used to call me. I want that to happen. I want them to still have family in their lives after a year in prison and Lorenzen's gone. I want to be in their lives every day. And I beg of you to tell them to call me. You know, they're obviously, like you said, most of them were adults at this point. So it's really on them whether they want to or not, mm-hmm. but they, Sadly, they stuck, and it's understandable, it's their mom, they stuck with Shara. They believed in her innocence and um, stood by her side. I don't know how that, how that's aged. I don't know if at this point maybe they're hopefully talking to Deborah. I wonder if they've read her book. Yeah. You know, and because... A lot of... St- I mean, hopefully they watch some of this stuff that's out there and they, you know, start to see a different side of their mother that they didn't see and see what she really was. Well, anybody that... If anybody knows that that <clears throat> book is truly fiction or not, uh, it would be those kids. I mean, they lived with them. They know the relationship. Yeah. They've seen the dynamic between their parents. And mm-hmm. they could they could really put an end to a lot of the That might be the missing link is some of the some of the kids coming out and speaking out That's, whether yep. whether Lorenzen had been physically abusive or not, whether, you know, some of the stuff that she says in this book was legit or not. Yeah. Yeah, they could so. but but I understand at the same time, you know, all you have left is your mother. Your father's gone. There's nothing you can do about that. There's nothing you can say about your mother or their relationship that's going to bring him back. So, as a child or even as an adult, you don't want to lose both of your parents. You know, and right now they're no. thinking if we just keep our mouth shut and just go on with life, our mom will be out in less than 10 years 
and we can be reunited and carry on with our life and move forward. You know, I mean, that's that's, right. ugh, that's that's a hard way to think about it, especially if in the back of your mind you're always thinking, did mom kill dad, you know? Um, yeah. But it is what it is. And if they love her and they don't want to lose that support, I guess stick by her. That's right. Yeah, stick by her. All right. So that's the case. Well, I want to talk about sticking by, sticking by your armpits. Oh, my God. Sticking by your armpits. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and don't stick by your... What a segue. Yeah, yeah, that was real good, man. It was real smooth. Uh, almost as smooth as, oh, my God, it goes in your armpits, right? That's right. Oh, my God is an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural, paraben, and aluminum-free organic ingredients. There's tons of scents to choose from at Oh My Gaia. I'm sure you guys will find something that works for you from cherry almond, vanilla, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside. And we have our very own scent called True Crime Pine, guys. And there's always new scents being rotated into the shop. Make sure you check those out and also in oils and beard oils as well. But you can get our. Yeah, I don't think you mentioned Sailor, which is one of my Sailor. favorites. Sailor, yes. fantastic. I'm going to have to add that to my list here. But Sailor is a yeah. great, um, and it is now a staple. I think it started out as as like a temporary thing. But I know when she sent me uh, samples, me and my wife, my wife who stole that scent from me, um, but we loved it. We I was like, yes, Sailor is amazing, as well as Barbershop, too. That was another scent. Oh, you yeah. Because. Because we've been with Oh My Gaia for so long now, she get we get to test out the new scents, which is really fun. So we get to see them and smell them and wear them before they even go for sale. But nine times out of ten, they're home runs, and they're definitely things that get added to the inventory. But That's right. Because you guys are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper, C-R-E-E-P-E-R, for 15% off your order on ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com or at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram. Guys, you won't regret it. Time to replace that speed stick or that old spice aluminum filled Get that aluminum out of your pits. Yeah, replace that stuff. Get something good. Get something original. Don't smell like... Don't smell like the guy in front of you in line at Walmart. You know, have something different, right? That's right. All right. All right. I want to thank those of you that have gone and taken the time to rate and review the podcast on iTunes this week. I want to say thank uh, thank you to Lukey Boy 7 in Great Britain. Right on. Said great content. Awesome. My number one go-to podcast. Oh, thank you very much. Love the lab. Janelle Potter song. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> <laughs> And love the chemistry between you two, but your English accents need a lot of work. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Mike. Yeah, sorry, then, sorry. Mike. <laughs> That's I have a couple Australian of again. <laughs> <laughs> we got another Great Britain one. We got uh, Maddie. Okay. Uh, Maddie123 in Great Britain said, TCG, best out there. Brilliant podcast listening from England, and it's a great snapshot of America. Even enjoy the mentions of sport. No idea what they're talking about, but they can do no wrong. <laughs> I don't know for a snapshot of America. I don't know if we can take that kind of responsibility. Um, but but thank you, thank you very much for that. We we do our best. We are on east. We're on each coast, so we cover the whole land. There. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. We are from completely different sides. <clears throat> Been across it a few times. Yeah. Met, uh, okay. So we then we got uh, Mom five one three two in the U.S. said still listening five stars. Great, good job, guys. And I just ordered from Oh My Guy. Oh, oh yeah, smart decision. Smart decision. 
Then we got Randy B in the U.S. said, love it. Five stars. Love your podcast. Great content and voices. Love all the accents. Been binging old episodes and your audio cuts and skips sometimes and goes out. Yeah, we know. That's We think that's mainly Apple. Yeah, we don't really and, know what's going uh, on with that. If you try it. It hasn't been much of a problem lately. Yeah. If you try it on another platform, it should should work fine. I don't know what's up with that. It was infuriating for me when that was go- when we were getting nonstop reports of that. Yes. And it felt like there, we were helpless. We're like, we're doing everything the same. We're listening back and it sounds fine. Yeah. But for some reason, some people were experiencing issues with audio skipping around. I don't get it. But. It's so inconsistent. We can't. There's nothing you can do about yeah. it because of the inconsistency. Even if it was just one app, I feel like we could be like, hey, don't listen to us on such and such. But it's not yeah. because somebody will comment and they'll be like, hey, listening on Apple Podcasts skips. And then like two people will respond and be like, uh, I was listening on Apple. It was fine. It's fine for me too. Exactly. You know. So uh, we can't find any consistency as far as that goes, guys. I, all I know is... Maybe re-download the app, maybe resubscribe, or or try another podcast player. There's there's tons out there, for, no matter what kind of phone you have. Just Google podcast player. That's there's right. tons of great ones out there. Yeah. Uh, then we got Kelson Cameras uh, in the U.S. said, love, love, five stars. Was looking for another True Crime podcast to listen to. Found these guys and love them. You guys lighten up the situation with humor, and it's amazing. Keep it up. Thank, Thank you, you, Kelson. Thank you, Kelson. Uh, we got F the Raiders in the U.S. <laughs> that's uh, that's my local town yeah. team now, hey. and I still I don't like them either. So <laughs> hey, we're on the same page there. Oh, Las uh, Vegas Raiders! It seems so weird when I watch Raiders games now, and they're like Las Vegas at the ten yard line. I'm like, what? It just sounds I don't know. I know it right? just still sounds weird to me. I'm still getting used to it, but it's it's very yeah. but a beautiful stadium. Oh my god. Hey, something something's magical about Vegas, man. Teams come here and they have instant success. You look at the Golden Knights, what they did in their first few seasons. And the Raiders are doing great. And then great. the Raiders come here and all of a sudden they're good. <laughs> like what? They're good, man. The stadium. <laughs> hey, you look good. You play. They look good. legitimately good now. Hey. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we got uh, F the Raiders says great uh, or says uh, five stars and has a case case suggestion that we cover Gannon Stock, little boy murdered in Colorado Springs. So won't give too much more about that, but we'll look into that case. Thank okay. you. And then we got Alex Volar in the U.S. said, can't get enough, five stars, love the podcast, keep on doing your thing. So thank you. Right thank on. you to everybody who's taking the time to go and do that. Even if you just click five stars and throw in some fire emojis, we'll give you a shout-out. Or if you just click five stars, you won't get a shout-out, but we'll still appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, one more thank you to uh, No Sucker Shit for this, uh, for this oh yeah, case definitely. suggestion this week. Great case suggestion. So, guys, we do do yep. listener suggestions, right? We just can't get them all. Once in a while. We just can't do Once them all. Once in a while. So... Don't give up. <laughs> uh, check out our Patreon page where we've done some suggestions over there. Yes. We've done many premium episodes. Every fourth episode is a Patreon exclusive. You can only hear it if you go to patreon.com slash guys. $2 a month gets you access to all of those. Mm-hmm. You get all those uh, basically premium episodes, many of which are two to three hours long. Um, you get into the drawing. We need to do a giveaway. We keep saying we're going to do we're, it. We, this we is what we should it. do, okay? Because we... It, the miscommunication between winners and us and or people just not responding and telling us, I think what we're going to do is just make the giveaway except uh, make it only accessible to $5 and up. So we already have your address and we'll just send you something. We'll just you'll just you you'll just get something as a surprise from True Crime guys. Congratulations. There you go. That's how we're going to start doing giveaways. So, so people are just going to start getting surprised with stuff. Why don't you Pull up the five dollar patrons right now and scroll through. Just, just let your cursor land on one of them, and we'll pick them right now because we can't do it on Patreon. Remember, because we get in trouble. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. So pull them up real quick. Pick someone, and we'll get we'll give something away to somebody. And they'll even if they don't hear this, they're gonna get some merch at their doorstep, and they'll be surprised. Yeah, exactly. 
that's our way of giving back to the patrons because we love you guys and thank you. And so, yeah, for $2 a month, you get access to all those bonus episodes. But for $5 a month, you get our other show, Just the Banter. If you love our banter, if you're one of those people that doesn't want stars for going off topic and rambling about random shit, you'll love our other show called Just the Banter. It's released every Friday. It's just me and Michael shooting the shit. We just get on and we talk about whatever. In our most recent one we just released on Friday, I talked about uh, my recent obsession with the stock stock market. I've been ta- I talked a little <laughs> bit about the different stocks I'm invested in yeah. and things like that. I'm an obsessive person. I get into something and then I just like all I want to talk about for a while. Yeah. Usually on just the banter, I talk about jujitsu too much because <laughs> it's what I'm into. Right. Um, so we talk about nutrition a lot, just random stuff, you know, just life, kids, parenting, all kinds of stuff. So yeah. That's the $5 tier on that. You get that, and you also get a gold creep band sticker. Very prestigious. Only a select few people in the world have it. Right. Um, and uh, you're in great company if you have that sticker. Yes, you are. Only way $10. to get it. Only way to get it, too. You could send us like a million dollars, and we won't send you one. Oh, yeah. Well, well no. maybe. No, you have to be a $5 patron. Or $10 patron. $10 patron, you automatically get one, too. And also, we're trying to set up a Zoom call for the $10 patron. So if you're currently a $10 and up patron... We want to set up a Zoom call with you guys and just hang out. So it'll be like, it'll be like what class is like, I guess now in college or, <laughs> right. or school. You know, yeah, we'll be like the teachers, I guess, but we're way dumber. Yeah, exactly. You won't learn anything from us, and we'll just hang out. <laughs> just hang out with you guys. We'll have a beer with you guys, and whatever you want to ask us or talk to us about, we'll talk to you guys about. And we're trying to set that up. Yeah. So that that seems like the <clears> best. let us know if you're ten dollars. That seems like the only option we have right now, as far as I think Zoom has the best quality calls, and then with us being across the country from each other, it's the only yes. way you're going to be able to talk to both of us at the same time. So that kind of set us back. Before, when we would do Skype calls, you know, we would just do it while we're in studio together and sit beside each other and yep. talk to people. It was no big deal. So that's why that perk has kind of fallen to the wayside. It's just trying to organize that and get three different people minimum all on the same schedule. It's uh, it's harder than it sounds, mm-hmm. especially in this crazy right. year of 2020. Um, but I but if we just set up a Zoom conference and then whoever shows up that's within the $10 tier, you know, they show up and then we'll hang out with them. If, it's, if one shows up, then we'll hang out with you. That's what it is. Okay. <clears throat> all right. Yeah, that works. Um, so I have a winner. I have a winner here for the giveaway for this okay. month. Wait, drum roll. Uh, yeah, sure, drum roll. She is a $5 patron, Amber V., you will be receiving something in the mail from True Crime Guys very soon. I don't know. I'll probably send you something from uh, from our new shop, truecrimeguys.threadless.com. Guys, if you haven't yeah, checked so out our new shop. when you buy that, shop, we get a cut back of it. So That's right. If you ha- guys yeah. haven't checked out that new shop, go check it out, truecrimeguys.threadless.com. Lots of cool shit on there with new updated True Crime Guys logos and designs. Some old designs that just got a little twist to them. But uh, the link is below the description. Also, the Redbubble link is still down there, too. If you guys are just like old school OG listeners, you just like the old shit, that's fine, too. If you want to get Let's Go Do Cult Shit shirts, uh, hoodies, whatever, all that stuff is still available as well, guys. Redbubble.com. That link is below the description as well. There you go. Do that. And also, go check out our other show. Yes. It's a part of... True Crime Guys Productions, mm-hmm. Strange and Unexplained. Strange and Unexplained. New episodes every week. That's right. If you like unsolved, missing persons, strange phenomenons, weird cults, uh, definitely check out Strange and Unexplained. New episodes are released every Monday, uh, pretty much like clockwork. I've been doing a, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back here, uh, but it's because I release them early on Patreon, so it makes it easy to schedule the post for Monday. But that's neither here nor there. But uh, <laughs> if you're on yeah. if you're on Patreon for Strange and Unexplained, patreon.com slash podcast, you get new episodes on Thursdays. 
instead of Monday, so you get the Thursday before. And you also get access to two other shows that I do, one being Strange Shorts and one being uh, the Palette Cleanser podcast. So lots under the True Crime Guys Productions umbrella. And uh, we just want to keep evolving, guys, and keep bringing you new stuff to listen to. There's also strange and unexplained um, merch available at truecrimeguys.threadless.com as well. So, All right. That's it. Lots to listen to. Lots to support. We appreciate you guys very much. However you support us, just listening listen to True Crime Guys on the free feed. We love you. Or if you're supporting every show, we love you too. So, That's right. Uh, we'll see you guys next week for another freebie. And that's about it. Keep creeping. Keep creeping, guys. True Crime Guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was True Crime Garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the Creeper Army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. True crime guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was True Crime Garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the Creeper Army. We out here making murder charming.